We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. My message is stumped. Stumped. And, and the reason why I thought about this message was I went back in my childhood. I grew up in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, uh, boys kind of grow up faster than they do today. We're given more responsibility at a very early age. Uh, I was given my first BB gun when I was five. Uh, my dad gave me a BB gun. I, should, I could go hunt with him with my BB gun. And I had to always hold it up because if you held it down, all the BBs ran out. And then at the age of seven, I got a 22. A lot of you might be going seven years old with a 22. But like I said, we are raised a little different. Um, and then by the time I was uh, 10, I got a 20-gauge shotgun. And then when I was 12, I got a 12-gauge shotgun. I'm telling you that because I want to tell you a story about not hunting, fishing. The same process happens in fishing. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad and his uh, brother-in-law, my mom and her sister, my mom's name was Margaret, her sister's name was Clara. Clara was married to Sonny, my mom was married to Emmett, so Emmett and Uncle Sonny, they were great fishermen. They loved to fish. And so we got together every other weekend. My dad would come home from work. I would have all the fishing gear in the truck, and every other weekend, we would go to Uncle Sonny's. The other weekend, they would come to our house. So we're loading up the truck. We're going up to Uncle Sonny's house. And when we go to Greenwood, Mississippi, there's a lake up there called Seven Mile Lake. I have a cousin. His name is Tommy. Same age as I am. We kind of grew up like brothers. My older brother is nine years older than me. Didn't have a lot in common. But me and Tommy, we were inseparable. And so what would happen? We'd get to Seven Mile Lake. My, my dad and Uncle Sonny would get in the big boat, the big motor, and they would go setting some trot lines and go fishing. And me and Tommy, who were probably at the time seven years of age, we got in our little aluminum boat with our little, I think, four horsepower motor, and we would take off and we would set our lines and do our thing. And so my dad and Uncle Sonny are over here fishing in the lake. We are fishing in the lake. And Seven Mile Lake is the reason why they name it that. It is seven miles long. And so it's a lake that is full of all kinds of stuff. Fish, yes. Uh, big loggerhead turtles. Let me know what those are. They're huge. Uh, lots and lots of snakes. And uh, because if it's not snaky, it's not fishy, right? It's got to have lots of snakes if there's fish. And so we're, we are, we're going out, me and Tommy in our boat, Uncle Sonny, my dad, you got the picture. So we go out in our boat, and we're going along, and everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, we get stuck on something. Can't move. We can't move. I mean, we, we take our paddles out, and we're paddling on the side of the boat, and it's just not moving. Uh, we stand up and, and rock the boat side to side, and it's not moving. These techniques worked in the past, and nothing's happening. So we took our little motor and we cranked it up and we nothing. We're rocking the boat. I'm taking the paddle and I'm hitting the water. And nothing's happening. We are stuck. No matter what we tried in our own power, it didn't work. Anybody ever been stuck in a boat on a lake before? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And so the next 
step is to get out of the boat and get in this mossy, green-covered water and see what's going on with all the loggerhead turtles and all the snakes, possible alligators, possible Loch Ness monster at the age of seven. Your mind starts going crazy, but now we have to get out of the boat. So I'm, my cousin's volunteering me because he's the one running the motor. So I, I get up on the front of the boat. I stick my feet in. I, I have to kind of turn around. I ease down. It's nasty. And I'm got to find out, figure out what is going on. So I take a deep breath, go under, look back, and we are stuck on a stump. I mean, we are stumped. And we've done everything we know how to do to get off of this stump. In our own power. We are stuck. It's not moving. And I wonder if you've ever gotten to a place in life where you have really been stuck. Yeah. I mean, it can be in your dating relationships, you're stuck. It could be maybe in your finances to where you, you've tried everything. You've paddled, you, you've rocked your boat of finances, you've done everything, and you're just stuck. Maybe it's in your health. I mean, you've done all you can do, and yet you're, you're stuck in this health situation. I don't know. There's lots of areas in life, but we can all get times in our life where we get stuck. And we get stumped. And most of us think this is a surface level problem. That we can fix this thing if we just, you know, well, have you tried paddling? Yeah, we tried paddling. Now, have, have you tried rocking the boat? Yeah, we've tried rocking the boat. Have you ever had people try to give you all the solutions on a surface level? You know? Well, have you tried uh, going on a diet? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you tried this or that? Have you gone to a counselor? Maybe you need it. Well, yes. You know, and so you've tried all this surface level only to find out the problem is not on the surface. The problem is subsurface. You see, a lot of us today look at things and we, we try to find what the surface level answer is. And we're trying all of this in our own power and in our own might, but we're still stumped. We're, we're still stuck. And i got to tell you today that our problem is not surface, but it's subsurface. We've we got to know some things about God. Well, Pastor, I know things about God. I know that God loves me unconditionally. How many of you know that? Raise your hand. You know that God loves you unconditionally. Yeah. Well, I know that He does. I know that God forgives me unconditionally of all my sins. Cast him as far as the east is from the west. How many of us know that? Yeah. We know that God is our deliverer, right? He's our strength. He's our present help in time of trouble. We know all of this, but we don't believe it enough to live like it. We, we look at things on a surface level, and yet God's going, this is not surface. This is subsurface things that we need to deal with. And today I'm telling you, we've got to get out of the boat and jump in and see what the real problem is. Because the real problem cannot be seen from the surface. You see, Israel had this problem and this cycle that they went through constantly in the Old Testament. They had this cycle of getting real close to God. I mean, they were really close to God. 
And then they had the cycle of kind of drifting away. And, and then they had the cycle of, of beginning to look at idols and, and other nations. And they'd get involved in idolatry and worship and marrying and intermarrying with other cultures. And, and then all of a sudden they, they needed God. And, and God would go, wait a minute, you're not close. And so they would repent and get back close to God, get rid of all the idols and, and get back close to God. And, and, and this cycle just keeps going over and over and over. But how many know that they didn't need to look at the surface? They really needed to be delivered. They needed to be delivered from that cycle. Joel chapter 2 verse 13 says this. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. Aren't you glad about that? Hallelujah. Abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Joel is telling the people, this is not a surface problem. This is not a garment problem. This is subsurface. This is a heart problem. This is a heart issue. Today in America, we still have this thing, this problem, this stump called sin. Sin. And sin separates us from God. And we can get stumped in different areas of sin in our lives. And i got to tell you, it'll get you stuck. But it's not a surface level situation that you got to deal with. This is not, well, I'll, I'll change my shirt or I'll, uh, I'll uh, do this or do that and I'll fix it myself like this. No, this is subsurface. This is, this is your heart. This is what God is looking at. These are issues. Uh, Lamentations 340. Let us examine our ways. Test them. And let us do what? Return to the Lord. So we've got to do three things. Examine. We've got to test. We've got to return. What? Our heart. The things that get you stumped. So I want to talk about the things that the Word of God talks about today that are things that will get you stumped. Things that will get you stuck and in your own power, paddling, rocking the boat, using whatever power you have in your life, it will not get you unstuck. You will continue to be stuck if you don't deal with the heart of the matter. The first one is this, pride. The ride of pride gets you. You'll look around and go, well, I don't need anybody's help. I can do all these things by myself. I can rock the boat. I've rocked it before and gotten unstuck. I can do this. I can paddle my way out of here in my own strength and my own ability. I've done it before, Pastor. Yeah. This is not about what you can do. There's something that God needs to do and only God can do it. God is the only one that can rid us of this sin of pride. That is one of the sins that I've had to deal with the most in my life. When I was a young man, I told you I grew up a preacher's kid in Mississippi. That's two strikes against me right there. And we grew up very, very poor, and I didn't want to be poor. And so when I did begin to get a little, few things in life, all of a sudden I began to be prideful, full of pride. And man, pride took me on a ride. I was on this ride with pride. I had things, and I began to look around at people who didn't have things, and I thought I was better than they were. You know, well, look at my house and look at their house. Uh, look at my car, look at their car. Look at my area code, zip code, and look at theirs. And, 
And, and, and boy, I tell you, you, you've got to be careful because you don't even realize what you're doing. But God got a hold of my heart. And man, God ripped me to shreds. He took me down to nothing. The ride of pride led me to a place to where I, instead of five brand new vehicles and I trade one in every time it got 20,000 miles because I thought, well, it was wore out. I got to trade it in. God got me down to a beat up old, rusted out, no air conditioning, seat split, the dash split, the windows cracked, no headliner, little Toyota Corolla. I mean, God will take, listen, it was not a garment issue. It was a heart issue. And we can sit here today and go, well, that's not me. Be careful. That, that's the very thing I was saying. I would sit in church and listen to the preacher preach and go, well, this is for everybody else. But not me. I mean, look at me. Look how God's blessing me. Nothing can be wrong in my life or else I wouldn't have this nice house. And I wouldn't have the nice cars. And I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do. Pride. Pride goeth before what? Falls. Haughty spirit before destruction. And man, I had that ride going on in my life. It was not a surface issue. God had to deal with me. And I had to get on my face and weep and repent of my sins. Anger. The Bible says that, that we can be angry, but just don't what? Sin. It's right to be angry at the right things. Get angry against the enemy. Get angry against uh, how sin has affected other people's lives. Be angry about those things. I mean, fight spiritual warfares. Uh, God will help you pull down strongholds. So get angry at the enemy, but don't get angry with each other. Sometimes we're fighting the wrong fights. We're fighting with each other. The devil's going, they haven't even thought about me all week, and I'm the one causing all the problems. They're dealing with the surface. I mean, I don't like your shirt, so man, you're going to fight. You go, I don't like yours either. Well, good. You're not wearing it. So there, you know. And we fight amongst each other over frivolous things that don't matter. I really do like your shirt, Tony. It's awesome. Thank you. My wife picked it out again this summer. Somebody during the greeting goes, Pastor, I was looking for some curtains this week to make me a new shirt out from last week. I was like, good. But yeah, we, we get angry with each other and fighting and the church is fighting against itself and we're not even fighting the enemy. Why? Because we're dealing with surface level situations and we're not digging down to what's underneath this thing. What is causing us to get stumped? What is causing us to get stuck in fighting with each other? Is the enemy. We, we've got to get down and understand that we've got to stop fighting with each other. Hate sin, but love people. Today we're hating on people. No, we need to love people. The Bible says that very same thing. Love God, love people, but hate sin. Anger. People are dealing with a lot of anger today. About everybody and everything. I mean, they're just angry at the world. i got to tell you, the Bible has a lot to do with anger. We have a lot of insecurities and inferiorities that we're dealing with today. And we get stumped. We say things like, well, everybody in my family is angry. Well, I have a right to be angry. Come on, not at each other. Let's get angry at the enemy. Let's get angry at the one who's really causing the problems. 
Well, Pastor, so far you haven't got me. I'm good. Two for two. Okay, what about greed? Oh, now the pastor's going to talk to all the rich people in the church. Get them, Pastor. Get all the rich people. Well, i got to tell you, greed is not about wealth. Greed says I've got to have more. No matter what I have, I want more. Greed begins at the end of your need. When you stop needing, that's where greed takes over. God said I'll supply all your needs. He didn't supply, say I'll supply all your greeds. I've seen very wealthy people be greedy, absolutely. And I've seen people that don't have very much be greedy too. Because greed is where it starts at the end of our needs. If our needs are met, we should be content. Paul said, I've learned how to be content. So you've got to learn it. This is a learned concept. I've learned how to be content. I've had a lot. I've had nothing. And I'm content in both situations. If you're not content with what you have, you might be dealing with this greed thing. Greed. Greed is a subsurface problem. It says I've got to have more. I had a young man in my church in Texas when I was first pastoring. and He was 36 years of age. Great looking guy. Beautiful wife. Great children. And he came in my office one day. and I, Great to see him. I said, hey, how are you doing, man? I'm, Pastor, I'm having problems. I said, what is it? He said, I, I own these businesses and they're going wonderful. And I have a beautiful wife and children in my home. And I've got cars and all the toys and all this stuff. And he looked at me and he said, there has to be more than this. There has to be more to life than this. And when he said that, I knew immediately we're dealing with a subsurface problem. He was looking around at all his possessions. And he was thinking, there's got to be more. You see, he got bored. He, he liked challenges and he, he realized, I'm at the top of the ladder. There's not another step. I'm done. Luke 12, 15 says this. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You see, greed and pride sometimes go hand in hand. When I was a young man, I thought, wow, look at all I've got. And then I realized life does not consist of possessions. Life consists of my subsurface situation in my life. Am I right with God? Because if you're right with God, then He'll take the place of all the greed and the more in your life. So if you're here today and you're going, but Pastor, uh, it's good to be motivated. Absolutely. I want to be motivated. You want to, we want to empty out the kingdom of hell, right? So we're motivated to win people to Christ. We're motivated for eternal things. Not for the things that are going to be consumed in fire. You know, they say the, the, the earth is warming up and you can have whatever opinion you want, but I just think God's getting ready to, to be caught on fire, don't you? Because the first time He destroyed it with water, the next time He's going to destroy it by fire. So don't be concerned about it. We won't be here. And your possessions, you're not taking them with you. So don't worry. Don't be so caught up in this need for greed. And, and this is not about life with your possessions. Things are good. Hey, listen, I love things. I've not had them, and I've had them. And i got to tell you, it's more fun having them, right? Thank the Lord for a nice car. 
Thank the Lord for nice clothes. Thank the Lord for a, a beautiful family and a, and a house. Thank God. It's so much more fun having things than not having things. But that does not make my life what it is. Things are not what make our lives what they are. What makes our life is our presence with God. It's all about subsurface. There's been times God asked me to give Him all my stuff, and I did. Because I knew life is not about stuff. And we get caught up in this greed. Pastor, I'm still good. Okay. Envy. Envy. It's equated with the I. I want what she has. I want her body. I want her figure. I want her hair. I want her complexion, her skin. I want his muscles. I want his job. I want his cars and trucks. I want his toys. All those things. The green eye of envy. Wow. Envy begins where your income ends. You know, you spend all you got and you still want and envy more than that. Envy, envy, envy. We get stopped. We were miserable because I want, I want their gifts. I want their talents. I want their abilities. I want what their, their position in life. I want this. I want, I want, I want. And we have come to the end of our income and we still want, want. And so now we put it on credit cards and then we get caught up and we get stopped. And we're still not happy because it's a subsurface level problem. It's envy. Proverbs 14.30 A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Wow. Subsurface. You see... The bones rotting, nobody's going to be able to see that happen. That only happens whenever we can allow God to look inside and say, what's going on? We need peace in our hearts today to where we're at peace with God, with what we have. Be content. Here's where I'm going to get a lot of us. Lust. The number one issue in our world today. Lust. The desire that has gone haywire. Sex out of context. You see, God gave us this gift of sex. But he gave it to us for a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Taken out of context, it becomes a sin. It becomes a problem. It, it, it starts out surface level. But then it becomes subsurface problems. You see, today we, we've got a lot of people that are talking about everything else, but we don't want to talk about sex because that involves a lot of people. Lust. The lust of the heart. Listen, we've got to be proactive in this area. If you're somebody that travels and you spend a lot of time in hotels and that's an issue, watching the wrong channels, nobody's there, nobody can keep you accountable, hey, stop at the front desk and tell them on the way in. I want you to block all these channels on my television in my room so I cannot watch these things. Maybe at your house you don't need to pay for all the channels that come with all the DirecTV and the Comcast and, you know, Dish TV. Maybe there's some channels you may need to go, I'm not going to have this stuff coming in my house because I can't control this stuff. You see, we have this controller that controls us. 
We've got to watch what our eye falls upon. We've got to watch because, because the eye starts this process of lust. And we've got to be proactive. All of us can have issues. We have pastors every day that are falling because of the sin of lust. They think, oh, I can handle this. Well, then pride comes in. And then all of a sudden, envy starts getting mixed in with it. And then all of a sudden, you have a mixture of problems. And they're trying to take care of it on the surface. Well, I can paddle out of this one. I can do it with my own power. Crank up my little motor. Let's go. I, I can stop this any time I want. Yeah. Yeah. I can do it. I've got the power myself. Yeah. We've got issues that are subsurface. You know what? Nobody sees it. Nobody knows about it today because we've got on our garments. Hey, how about this one? This is something I've never heard preachers preach on. Heard people talk about it, but I've never heard a preacher preach on it. Gluttony. Gluttony. Gluttony is a sin. Gluttony in its, in its rarest form, in its most uh, honest form, is this. The eating so that others cannot eat it. You ever seen that? I'm going to eat this so you can't. Do I want it? No, I don't want it. I'm going to eat it because you do. I've seen this happen at family reunions a lot. Church socials. Yeah. You see somebody, Mr. Bob, you want that? I'm going to eat it so you can't, buddy. Yeah, watch this. There's only one left. Just for... Did I want it? No. It's also eating beyond being full. Whoa. I think I just hit a few nerves. I'm full. But I'm just going to keep on eating. You know why? You got some sub subsurface problems. Well, it comforts me. How much do you need comforting? Come on. Yeah. Heard a lot of people preach on every other sin in the world, but this one. Maybe we don't like talking about the things that affect us. We'll preach on everybody else's problem, but you know it's kind of hard for somebody to preach on this when it's a problem. I personally believe that life is always about balance. Yes. Balance, balance, balance. I've seen people that have taken everything to the extremes. I think anything taken to an extreme is wrong. It gets us in trouble. The, the Bible even tells us that truth pressed to that extreme becomes heresy. So we can't even take the truth and take it to an extreme because that becomes heresy. So I think balance. Get everything in the middle. You know, I like the 90-10 principle, don't you? We talk about 90-10 with tithing, but I think 90-10 is good in our personal life when it comes to eating. 90% of the time, be disciplined. Absolutely, man, be disciplined. God says this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've got to take care of this thing. I've got to watch over it. You may say, well, pastor, do you do this? I do. I practice what I preach. I went to the doctor just this week. I got my blood drawn for my physicals. They check my triglycerides, my A1, all the things I cannot see. They check my blood pressure, 110 over 80. I was happy about that. They checked all these other numbers, my kidneys, my liver functions, everything. And they said, everything's going good. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I'm like, yes. Went to the dentist on, on Tuesday or Wednesday. He said, it's another cavity-free examination. Yes. We want to take care of a lot of things, but then we don't take care of our bodies. 
90% of the time, I mean, live disciplined, eat right. Don't take it to the extreme, though. And don't force it on everybody else. But then 10% of the time, I mean, get that big old piece of cake. Get you some ice cream, double scoop it, triple scoop it, sprinkles, whipped cream, cherries, boom! Because you got to live, right? And sometimes you just need to celebrate whatever that is for you. I know what my celebrations are. You have your own stuff. But man, there are times, like today, my grandkids are here. Do you think I'm going to eat kale? Mm -mm. <laughs> Not having kale today. Not having fake potatoes made out of cauliflower. <laughs> Not keto dieting anything today. This is a day the Lord has made, and I will eat and be glad. Hallelujah. <laughs> 10% of the time, I mean, go for it. But don't let that become the 90% of the time. We've got to have balance because guess what? Our bodies are a representation of God to the world. And how we take care of ourselves matters. Gluttony. Slothfulness. That means, uh, whatever. I don't care. We've got a whole generation of I don't cares. Eh, whatever, they don't matter. Some people go to work and, man, they are 100% all in. Man, they're motivated. They are at work. They are the best employee ever. Boom. And then they come home. Ah, whatever. Whatever. You married me. You're stuck with me the rest of your life. I don't have to do anything now. Whatever. Kids got a ball game. Ah, whatever. 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 We do that at home. Whatever. I don't care. But we need to mother y'all. Whatever. Kids are starving. Nah. Or we do all this all in at home, and then we go to work. Nah, whatever. The boss says, hey, you need to get this done. Get this done. Get this done. Yeah, really not quite fitting into my schedule today. I kind of planned another uh, way of working today. So today, today was kind of my chill out day at work. and That doesn't go over well with you, boss. I'm just telling you. We can't have this whatever thing. And this happened in the Word of God. Slothfulness. There's a man by the name of Felix, and he is being talked to by Paul. And look at this, Acts 24, 25. Here's what is happening. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. I mean, those are heavy-duty things, right? Righteousness, self-control. Well, maybe I need to preach on that too. And the judgment to come. Felix was afraid. And he said, uh, well, that's enough for now. Stop. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. How many know he didn't find it convenient? When, when you start getting right up in the middle of somebody's business, <laughs> cutest little thing happened a few Wednesday nights ago. I was at one of the tables and this little girl was introducing me to all of her family. And she was telling me their names and, and, and what grade they were in and how old they were. And she gave to her littlest sister who's three years of age. And she told me her name and she said, and she's three years old. Well, this little girl had been eating the whole time, not paying attention. And then all of a sudden she raised up, she stood up, put her hands up on her hips and looked right at her and said, don't be telling him all my business. <laughs> I lost it. That was so funny. And I thought that's what happened. 
in our business. And we put our hands on our hip and go, don't be getting up in all my business. Yeah. Uh, when I find it convenient, I'll take care of these issues in my heart. When it's more convenient, but right now, it's not convenient for me. We get stuck. We're stumped. You don't have the power in and of yourself to get out of it. I'm just telling you right now, your little four horsepower outboard is not going to work. You need to be delivered. I need to be delivered from all my sins. Christ already did the work on Calvary. He said it is finished. I am your deliverer. I love you with a love you cannot comprehend. I will take care of you. I'm your healer. I'm your strength. I am everything you'll ever need. It is finished. He's already done the work. The problem is, is we are like Israel. We're not delivered. Well, it's not God's fault. He's already delivered, made way for us to be delivered. The problem is we don't know how to activate deliverance in our own lives. In John chapter 5, Jesus is walking. And every time Jesus is walking, people are excited because cool things are about to happen. So Jesus is walking by this pool one day. And this pool is where all the lame and crippled people have been brought they are waiting for a miracle. Jesus walks by and he sees this man who's been laying there for 38 years. Think about it. 38 years this man's been laying by this pool. And here's what Jesus says in verse 6 of John chapter 5. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, read that with me, do you want to get well? Isn't that the oddest question? Do you want to get well? Why would Jesus ask him that? The guy is laying beside the pool. Every day for 38 years, his friends have come to his house, helped get him dressed, got him on the mat, brought him to the pool, laid him down for 38 years. At the end of the day, hey, nothing happened. Well, maybe tomorrow they pick him up, carry him back home, Help him get ready, get put in his house, get ready for bed, and the process happens again. And these, Jesus comes along with a subsurface question. Because on the surface, this guy wants to get well. But Jesus does not look on the outward man. Jesus looks what? At the heart. Subsurface. Something's got this guy stuck. What is it? And he asks him, do you want to get well? Could it be that when Jesus saw him, he saw a man that has gotten used to his condition in life? Hey, I've just gotten used to it. I'm okay with people coming to my house every morning, helping me get dressed and, and feeding me and bringing me over here and laying me down. And besides, I've developed some really good friendships here around the pool. We've got our own, you know, everybody comes to church, you've got your own seats. Don't let anybody else sit in your seat because that's my seat. Well, I'm sure he had his spot beside the pool. Been there for 38 years. This is my spot. Got all my friends around me. We're all we're having fun all day. We get to eat lunch together. Play a little Uno. You know, talk about everybody else in the town. And it's great. Life is good. I'm used to it this way. Yeah, come on, come on, think about it. I've had people in church 
What do I need to change? I've gotten accustomed. I'm okay with it. When it's convenient, I'll take care of it. Just before Jesus comes back, I'll get it right. But until then, I'm okay laying beside the pool. I'm, o I'm okay in the life that I have. I'm okay dealing with pride. I'm okay with lust. I'm okay with envy and slothfulness and greed. I'm okay because, you know what, it, it, it's who I am. It's, it's uh, my family's all this way, so yeah, I'm going to be this way too because that's just the way we are. We all have problems with addictions. You know, I, I don't want to be the only one in the family that's not addicted to drugs. I've never had anybody come to me and go, Pastor, the best day of my life was when I started taking drugs and drinking alcohol. <laughs> best day ever. No. They come to me and go, hey, Pastor, this has destroyed my life. These addictions to pornography and, and drugs and sex and, and alcohol is destructive. I need God to deliver me because I've tried and tried and tried. Ten steps doesn't work. I've tried. I've tried to paddle. I've rocked the boat. I've, I've cranked up the motor and I'm still stumped. Is there anyone to deliver me out of all my iniquities? Yeah. Because God said this in His Word, that when you cry out, I will hear you. And I am able to deliver you. He is our deliverer today. He is the one who's going to get us unstuck. He's the one that's going to get us out of the stumped areas in our life. <laughs> because we cannot do it in and of ourselves. Do you want to get well? Jesus was looking at His heart. And He's probably looking at Him going, you've kind of gotten used to this. Can I tell you that if we're not careful, we can get used to sin? It becomes part of our family. It becomes part of our languages. It becomes part of our mentality. It becomes part of our daily routines. And we just get comfortable with sin. It's okay. I can go to church and I don't ever feel convicted, so it must be all right. Or I can commit this sin and God did not strike me dead like he did Ananias and Sapphira. So God must be okay with this. God is not okay with it. Just because he doesn't strike you dead is because you're getting mercy and grace. God loves us so much. Everyone. Everybody. Those are sentences is how we start this out. Just this last week, we had a great illustration of what I'm talking about. This last week, we had a devastating natural phenomenon of the elements coming to Florida Panhandle. It was horrible. But for days before, they were telling everybody, mandatory evacuation. Destruction is coming. Leave. And there were many, many people who heeded the call, who packed up what they needed to of their possessions, and they left because life is not about the abundance of possessions. But there were some. The death toll started out at 2. My last thing that I heard was over 13. All of it was senseless. Those families are devastated at the loss 
People lost their lives because of a warning that was not heeded. Today, preachers around the world are crying out to everybody in their pulpits and everybody in their congregations. Jesus is coming soon. Evacuate your sins. He's coming back for a church that is white without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. If you don't heed the warnings to evacuate, destruction is coming. And yet people today, some will heed. And there'll be others that go, but I've got time. They always make it sound worse than what it actually is. We've had other hurricanes. And I listen, my wife's brothers at times in New Orleans had hurricane parties. They would, you know, party through the hurricane thing. And it was a, a, like a badge of honor. No, this is not a badge of honor to have party through the sins that are coming into your life. This is a time to say, wait a minute. Jesus is coming soon. We don't know the hour, the day, nor the minute, nor the second. But at any moment, the Word of God says an angel can shout and a trumpet will sound. And in that incredible moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those who are dead in Christ will be raised first. Then those who are alive and in Christ will be caught up together with Him in the clouds and forevermore to live with Him. Amen? That's exciting. Hallelujah. If we have evacuated our sins, if we have gotten unstuck on the things in life that get us stumped, wow. James 5.16 says this, that we are to pray for each other. And you know what it says? This is, this is an odd thing. It says confess your sins to each other. And ask for God to forgive you so that He can begin to heal your body. I believe He heals our minds. He heals every part of our lives. So we, we, got, we need to talk to God, right? You may say, well, Pastor, I could never tell anybody What's subsurface? Well, you can tell me. I have never, ever betrayed a trust. But if we want to get real forgiveness, we've got to take some radical measures. We just can't keep going, well, I'll take care of it when it's more convenient. It'll all work out, Pastor. I mean, God loves me and there's lots of grace and mercy. Yes, there is. People were told, get out of the way of the path of this destruction. And most everybody did. But those who didn't, Today, you've got chances, I've got chances to get out of the path of destruction. I want everyone evacuating your sins. Subsurface, nobody knows about this. God does. This is not about rending our garments. You see, that was a way of repentance. Rip off your garments, put on ashes, Put on some sackcloth and walk around in a pure hole. And, 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 and they said, wait, wait a minute. This is not about that. This is not about an act you put on in front of everybody else. This is a heart issue. This is subsurface. You may go, okay, Pastor, what happened to you and Tommy? I didn't finish this one. Well, I got out from under that boat and I told Tommy, it's a big old stump. And it's right in the middle of the boat. And we're stuck. So we sat there till the sun went down, till the sun came up, sun went down, sun came up, and we never did anything. No, 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 no. We are seven years of age. And so we start hollering. 
You ever hollered? I mean, we just didn't go, hey. Somebody help. No, we were fearful. There is a log nest monster going to come up, hit the bottom of this boat, drive us up 50 feet in the air, come down, gulp us up, and we'll never be seen again. Things like that happen in Mississippi. Just watch the movies, man. So we start doing this. Help! Dad! Dad! We're stuck! Help us! We're stuck! Help! 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 Yeah. We start calling on who? Our daddy. You know why? Because our daddy's got a big old boat. Our daddy's got a big old boat with a big old outboard on the back of it. And they can power us out with very little effort. So we keep hollering. And then all of a sudden, you know, your voice carries over a lake. They heard us. And then we heard this. And we, they're coming. They're coming. Help's on the way. We're rescued. I don't have to get back in the water again. We're rescued. They come up. They laugh at us. Crazy boys. Stuck again. Because this wasn't our first time. And you know what they did? They just came over by our boat, took their hands, wiggled a little bit, and shoved us off the stump. Seriously? We were ready, and we had the rope on the front of the boat, because every boat has a rope on the front of it, you know? When you get out and you pull it up on the bank, we had the rope ready. They're going to they're gonna tie onto their boat, and they're going to take that big old wind and barely get us off that stump. No, they just went up, took their big old strong arm, boom, we're free. Free to live the lake life again. Now we can go anywhere we want to go. We can get back to doing what we were wanting to do. Fish. Laugh. Have fun. See all the different parts of the lake. We were not stuck in one fish infested, snake infested, Loch Ness, alligator, loggerhead, turtle infested place. We can now go anywhere and we were having so much fun. Why? We had been set free. Hallelujah. We were having a blast again. Cranking up the motor, going all over the lake. Catching some fish, having fun, making new stories. Why? Abundant lake life living. Free. God wants us all to be set free from the subsurface things that have us stumped. That have us stuck. There's things that we can power through, but this is something that I have a problem with. Continue in my life, and God, I need you to believe. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.